Listening Dog Media. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Offside Rule. We get it. Brought to you by a Wolves fan, a Manchester United fan and a Liverpool fan. Hello and a very warm welcome to the Offside Rule. We get it podcast. It's episode five of the new season. Once every fortnight for us, we're just busy on the other weeks, aren't we girls? Hayley McQueen and uh, Lindsay Hooper, myself, Kate Borsay leading this one. We were last in Manchester when we podcasted. Now, by some contrast, we're in leafy Greater London in Lindsay's (laughs) sitting room and it's freezing. It's freezing. I've had the heating on for an hour and it's not even winter yet. It is winter. (laughs) The summer's over. Maybe, maybe I need to bleed the radiators, but that's for another conversation. <laughs> that's for another podcast, evidently. The one that helps people get to sleep, where Lindsay, <laughs> Lindsay live podcasts her way through bleeding the radiators. And another reason that I can tell this is I've now moved into my winter reporter's jacket. Oh. <laughs> the one that's got the inside layer. Big news, breaking news here in Greater London. <laughs> Lindsay Hooper's got her winter reporter's jacket on. Got it in a fleecy layer. <laughs> It's so snuggly and it's got a big hood. Well, there's no I in this podcast as we three uh, take you through the next 20 minutes or so. What are we going to talk about? Well, it's international break at the moment. How do you solve a problem like England? Uh, I know that we've kind of diverted ourselves slightly. You know, Southgate's in charge. Big Sam's gone. And so, yes, we're ticking over, but the but the problem still remains, doesn't it? England as a problem still remains. So we're going to be chewing the fat on that one. And then um, I'd like you to perhaps talk about some other teams historically who've maybe lost their way and come back again or lost their way and fallen off the radar completely. In topic two, we're going to be going where in the world in tribute to this international break where we've seen lots of football from lots of footballing nations. Where in the world? <laughs> Well, Gibraltar. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We are going to be going all over the world and looking at unlikely players in unlikely places. Mm. I'm going to just go for one country, (laughs) mainly. They're just all there, aren't they? Yeah, they are all there. We all know where we're talking about. Let's all retire to China. (laughs) (laughs) You've given it away now. Uh, And lastly, we're going to be speaking born in the USA. That's right. Born in the USA. How can you not, Kate? (laughs) Put those guitars down, ladies, for a minute. What do they call Bruce Springsteen? What's his nickname? Old man. (laughs) No. The boss. The boss. Yes, that's right, the boss. Speaking of bosses, Bob Bradley. He's uh, the Premier League's first USA manager. Uh, Thank you, big Bob Bradley, although he's not that big. He's quite small, actually, isn't he? He's got a big, shiny head, though, doesn't he? It's like... (laughs) Does that sound really bad? (laughs) I was working in one of my jobs where I had to cut uh, cut his first press conference the other day and oh, uh, it just God. felt wrong. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. It felt wrong, Bob. He doesn't want to be known as an American manager trailblazing, though, does he? He's like, I just want to be an Amer- a manager. I don't yes. want to be the American. But yeah. even when you say Bob Bradley, I just want to be like Bob, Bob. Bradley. Bob? Yeah, Bob. Get on it, Bob. Uh, that's right. Uh, and, of course, the US presidential elections are uh, hot on everyone's uh, agenda at the moment. Can we all wear our anti-Trump badges whilst recording this podcast? I can't even look at the man. He makes me feel physically sick. Like like the smell of a Trump. (laughs) I, I do want to go on a political crusade to say, how did it get to this? It is a bit strange. But anyway, we will let Clinton and Trump do their thing on the other side of the Atlantic whilst we get on to footballing matters. I'm Gary Neville and you're listening to The Offside Rule. 
it's becoming a problem, right? England, the national football team, our attitude towards it, the press's attitude towards it. Are we blowing it up out of all proportion? Are there inherent problems with that team? How far does it go back and how do we change it? This is on everyone's lips at the moment, perhaps. And actually, more recently, the whole Rooney being dropped thing has been on everyone's lips at the moment. I think that's a bit of a smokescreen. I think that's a bit of a diversion. I don't understand why it's such a big deal to drop Rooney. What I think fundamentally is the problem is England. There is a big problem with that team. And we need to start to understand why. Are our expectations too high? Or is there something basic that we're not figuring out here? Well, first of all, I don't think that the football team plays football in a fun way they're not having fun I just think that the enjoyment factor's gone and there is a fear that is inherent within the side and it doesn't seem to be certain players it seems to be passed on from team to team from generation to generation and it must be something that is um stirred up by the media. There is a hysteria in this country about football. There's an expectation about football, bringing football home. And for some reason, it's it's managing to translate and get to the players on the pitch. They're not using their football brains as they would when they're playing for their clubs. Mm-hmm. Because the thing is, as soon as there is an element of nervousness or caution, it takes off and away that X factor that sometimes you need in big tournaments and there should be a security blanket around these players and the team so that they can play and hopefully just play as a team and and enjoy it and hope that the result comes rather than this huge weight that they seem to be playing with they've got heavy shoulders as they're running around so are you saying we don't need a talented coach we need someone to put their arm around the players Is that what's wrong? Because I thought that in Roy Hodgson, we might have had that. Now, Big Sam's gone. Southgate's taken over reluctantly. We know that. I don't think he'll be a long-term option. I'm not even sure he wants to be a long-term option. Every tournament performance in the last 20 years, we've gone down like a sack of spuds. So is it that we don't need a talented manager? We need a man manager. We need someone to put an arm around these players and say, we know that you're good. Technique's great. Ability's great. The rest is just a mental game. Which is a shame because that is what I think Sam Allardyce would have done. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I understand why they got rid of him, as would I if I worked for the FA, would make sure that he was out. But it's such a shame that finally we had this different character coming in. And just when England needed picking up and the team spirit put back into the squad, I thought, actually, this could be just the right time for Sam Allardyce. Not quite the right time for Eddie Howe yet, but I think he may well be England boss in the future. But it's one of those, back in the day, everybody wanted to be the England manager. Now, nobody wants to be the England manager. Well, if Gareth Southgate steps back down to under-21 level, he actually could help for the future of English football, not just with these games that he's been taking charge of. But what about Brexit? Because that actually might have an impact on the national game, particularly in England. It could help in Scotland as well, but, I mean, that's another matter. Goodness, <laughs> we, we think England are in trouble. Scotland can't even beat Lithuania, who are about 150 millionth in the world right now. <laughs> Premier League clubs, they could actually be forced to drastically change their approach in the transfer market. So Britain, as we know, voted to leave the EU. Uh, Theresa May will trigger Article 50 next March. In a couple of years' time, there will be a limit of foreign players coming into football to allow room, we hope, for 
homegrown talent to prosper because in the past, the free movement allowed European citizens like Dimitri Payet, Fabregas and Cristiano Ronaldo mm. to come into the country. That might not happen anymore. Some could say, well, that would be terrible. We're missing out on these stars which light up the Premier League. But surely we want stars of our own to be coming through the ranks, to be playing for England, to finally have something to be proud about. Whether Brexit will actually result in better chances for English talent actually depends on the level of free movement for European workers into the UK. But maybe, just maybe, Brexit, I didn't want Brexit, I didn't vote for it, I voted to stay in Europe, but there could be something positive that comes out of this for football. Lindsay, we were at the Euros, we saw Raheem Sterling, I didn't think he was that bad in the first half of that game, he got absolutely panned for his performances at the Euros, he was the scapegoat, he was the one the media chose and the fans started rollicking at, he was the one who was at fault for a poor performance, perhaps too much was expected of him. He's gone back to his team, under a new manager playing club football doing brilliantly amazingly well showing us what he's made of is it the fault of the press is it the fault of the fans who like to single out a person if it's not the manager then perhaps it's a player or two is it the fault of the press is it the fault of the fans it's the fault of everybody involved it's the fault of the media it's the fault of the manager and it's the fault of the players and it's the fault of the fans it's the fault of everybody involved in English football at the moment it's the fault of the FA too because what is happening and the thing that links everybody in this and as fans we've got it too now as well is that we all have the fear Raheem Sterling had the fear Mm -hmm. he played with fear managers have the fear they can't drop the big names because they fear what the comeback will be from the press. They can't pl- they can't play in a certain style or you know one the one thing that I would really love to see in my lifetime and I don't know when I've seen 11 players selected for England that were all in form because there's always an established player in there. We're talking about the Rooney debate that's happened recently. But that's been going on for generations in English football whereby they've kept with names because they're established because you can't for goodness sake drop so-and-so you can't not have so-and-so in the team and that would have been your likes of your Ferdinands at one point your Beckhams and they all go off the boil and they all have times where they have a lull in their career and when they're going through that lull they need to be dropped and if they bring something to the dressing room have them as part of the squad but don't have them as part of the starting 11 and the other thing to say about it is Inform players. The last tournament we were in at the Euros, the champions of England were Leicester City and there were not enough of the English players in that Leicester City squad, in that England team for my liking. They should have been. They were left at home. They were like token part of the squad and then the ones that were left mm-hmm. behind. Your Danny Drinkwaters, for instance. Unlucky, it, it's just incenses me that we, we are all so fearful. And what is the one thing you need in sport? Not just necessarily football, but to be a winner. People talk about how well Team G did at the recent Olympics and it's because there was no fear and what winning does is it breeds winning mentality so you start winning and you get more winners and that's when I'll come on to the solving it thing in a minute but I mean can I just chip in and say that our qualifying campaign meant that we did go into the Euros as winners that's still the fear factor because actually it's during these qualifying campaigns that we should be bedding in new players informed players to play with each other to get the team that we want that by the time we get to a tournament we shouldn't be fearing that we should lose to Malta but, but actually Roy took a relatively young side to the Euros well, he took the young side, but then he didn't play them as they were meant to be played. How many players did Roy play in position, in their favoured position? Keeper. 
<laughs> goalkeeper. But, yeah, but but then if you're going to select a team purely on being informed players, you're going to have a team that that you're going to have to play players out of position because you can't possibly pick 11 informed no, players. No, you know what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to make a really big decision on what that what then is the best team because you don't play players out of position you bring in players that aren't as good and you drop big names what you have is a spine of your team that you're saying those are my star performers and I will build the team around do you think Wes Morgan for Leicester City is a player that would make any other Premier League team three seasons ago no he wouldn't have done but what he does is he backs up and He provides, that's what England need to do. Okay, we are obviously incredibly passionate about this. Have we got any quick fixes here? Can we we round this up by throwing in a quick fix or two? Hayley? On a serious note, what about joint management? What about a few talented heads coming together like Kate, Hayley and Lindsay? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so managing by rote, okay. Okay. A bit like writers writing successful comedy series together. We are suggesting joint managers. Uh, Lindsay, you've already said to play informed players. You've said choose players who aren't necessarily favoured but who make up a good team. I think England, from an early age, need to know what it feels like to win. Mm. So my solution is you don't let under 21s escalate to the senior squad early enough. You get them winning the under 19, the under 21 championships. You get them winning. You get them winning those World Cups, those European championships. And then those players know what it feels like to win so that when they come into the senior side, Mm. they know what it is to lift a trophy. Well, this is interesting. 2009 European championships under 21s. We got to the final. We played Germany. We lost, but we still got to the final. If you look at the German side, and which players went on to the World Cup in 2014. And you look at the England side, there are two players who mm. played for the England team in 2014. Look at the German side, just by glancing at it quickly, five or six players, if not more of that German side, then made the World Cup squad in 2014. So that's an interesting factor. I'm going to bring Germany into this quickly and just say much like England, although perhaps not for quite as long time, they had a, a really terrible time in world and European football. Um, they won Euro 1996, but after that, nine. 2000, it all went terribly wrong. They had a quick resurgence um, back in uh, 2002. But after that, again, they really, really struggled. It took Jurgen Klinsmann coming in and, again, that that belief and that winning mentality, it took him coming in and Joachim Love as well, who brought in lots and lots of youth. There was a whole system of developing youth through Klinsmann and through Love particularly Mm -hmm. in order to get them to where they are in world football now. Which goes exactly back to my point, going slightly off topic, but bringing you back round again, with studies showing that 66% of players in the Premier League at the start of last season were foreign players that was the highest proportion in all of Europe you look at Spain it was half of that France was half of that as well in fact uh, the closest was a 57% in Italy's uh, Serie A and we know how Italy are doing at the moment and uh, Germany's Bundesliga as well uh, under 50% of their players in Germany are foreigners so I'm not saying oh foreign players are the downfall of English football that's why the Premier League is the best league in all of Europe in my opinion but it's just getting that balanced yeah. Um, for, for just sheer clutching at straws, here's one for you. Are we so rubbish because the number of teams in these tournaments has gone up? 1992, the European Championships had eight teams. They've now got 24. Surely there's something to this theory. Perhaps. And, and, and also the well-rested theory. I do think that there is an element of, of the winter break mm-hmm. and other countries benefiting from the breaks at certain times in the year. And when it comes to big major tournaments coming, I do 
I do think that they get a lot more from it. All right, we'll wrap that one up there. Spirits are high in this room. Determination, strident. You can get in touch with us. Let us know what you think at Offside Rule Pod. Uh, website, www.offsiderulepodcast.com and Facebook, The Offside Rule. Hi, this is Kirsty Gallagher and I love The Offside Rule Podcast. All right, we've been watching a lot of international football uh, this past week or so. Players in unknown places or random places. I was actually working at the weekend uh, covering the Indian Super League and there were quite a few names there. And I was like, oh my goodness me, I had no idea. So I'd like some more of those, oh my goodness me, I have no ideas, please. Uh, Lindsay. Well, linking on from our last topic and Hayley giving us those lovely statistics about countries and how many foreign players they have and whether it represents how well they're doing internationally. I'd just say that when it comes to the next World Cup, I don't think China are going to perform that well because the Chinese the Chinese <laughs> league is overtaken by uh, foreign imports, mm. isn't it? So I'm just sticking with the Chinese Super League, mm. just generally, and I'm just going to run through a few. So Sven Joran Eriksson, former England manager, now at Shanghai Shenhua. Mm. Um, lots of people probably already know that. But you go down the list, there's Luis Felipe Scolari, who's um, managing Guangzhou Evergrande, taken over from Marcello Lippi, who was there. Uh, Paulinho's part of the squad. Gail Kakuta, who was part of a, the Chelsea squad once upon a time. Uh, but the best one of all, mm. very much a, a regular mention uh, in previous seasons on the Offside Rule podcast, Graziano Pella, former Southampton yeah. striker. But the really surprising thing about this, and you go down the list even further, is I could couldn't run through all the players that are playing in the Chinese Super League. What I am going to do is read out the five best paid players in the world. Mm-hmm. And two are in China. Wow. Now, right at this moment, as you're listening to the podcast, try and tell me who you think the two that are playing in China are, the, are in the top five best, play, best paid players in the world, who you think they might be. So the obvious ones at the top outside of China, Cristiano Ronaldo, mm-hmm. Real Madrid, 18 million pounds a year. Lionel Messi, Barcelona, £17 million per year. Both mm. the best players in the world. Gareth Bale, is he up there? Gareth Bale is not in the top six. There's a oh. joint joint five. Mm-hmm. The third player in this list plays in China. £17 million per year. Do you know who he is? No. Hulk at Shanghai oh. SIPG. Because Drogba went over there to earn a fair wage, didn't he? So I suspect there was... Um... He was part of that at one point. Mm. So seventeen million a year for Hulk, who, by the way, is on the same money as Messi, <laughs> who's never been nominated for a Ballon d'Or in his life. <laughs> Can we just take this even further at the extremities and how ridiculous this is? Neymar, Barcelona, is below him on sixteen point two million per year. Then Zlatan Ibrahimovic, quite a jump for Manchester United, is on thirteen point six million pounds a year. Mm. Joint with I do know this one. Do you? Yeah only because we did a feature on it on Sky Sports News and I kept saying, guys, you need to check the figures. Are you sure this is right? It's Southampton's Graziano Pella. It's Graziano Pella, yeah. Mentioned on this podcast many wow. times in previous seasons. We all wondered, why would he leave Southampton? I think it might be because he's on £13.6 million pounds a year. Oh, but then that just makes him a complete sellout, doesn't it? Well, can we blame him? I have got a massive name manager out there, mm. even more successful than Sven Joran Eriksson because this guy has won the World Cup. And he actually is in charge of a team in China who were established in 2006, had 13 different Chinese and foreign coaches before Fabio Cannavaro. Yeah. So he is out there. He was at Al Ahly or something, wasn't he, out mm. in the United Arab Emirates? So they're in the second tier. They're not even in the Chinese 
mega super league. They're in the second tier of Chinese football, Tianjin Quanjian. So the revolution continues out there as it does with absolutely massive names. And it's uh, probably no surprise why he's there. The big smile on his face that he's famous for has just got even bigger with his paycheck. I'll come back to you in a minute, Hayley. Uh, the Indian Super League, this is what I was working on at the weekend. Great crowds, by the way. It's only been established for a couple of years. Uh, not a huge amount of teams. There's a, a top league and it runs from October to December. I think there's about 14 games in their season. But great crowd support, I have to say. I have to give them 10 out of 10 for really enthusiastic fans. Okay, the play's not quite there, but you know, fair enough because they're enjoying football, and isn't that what soccer, world soccer, is all about? Big names over there Steve Copples, Corella Blasters. Yeah, so Copples over there. Guess who his assistant is? One time Brentford manager Wally Downs. Yeah, <laughs> he's in India. Good old Wally. And uh, Michael Chopra plays oh, yeah, under yeah. Steve uh, Coppel and had most of the action of the game that I was watching. Andre BK, he plays for Poon City over there. Uh, Florin Maluda. Plays for Delhi Dynamos. Flora Maluda, Luda. Luda, Luda, yeah, Flora Maluda. Uh, managed by Zambrotta. Oh. Yes. Wow. Um, and Goa, you'll be pleased to know, have their very own version of Ronaldo. Brazilian Reynaldo. Oh. Yes. <laughs> Brilliant. Absolutely love it. I feel like I need a guitar for this next one. Born in the USA. Oh, yes. Big Bob Bradley. Uh, I'm sorry, I, I, I can't stop calling him Big Bob Bradley because it sounds American, but it also makes me laugh because he's tiny and when he was doing his little arrival at Swansea, he was stood on the on the seafront or wherever it is with his, with his scarf looking really diddy. Hi, Bob. How weird that Francesco Guidolin, the outgoing manager, was at the back of the news conference listening in. Nobody knew, apart from the press officer, looking at the back mm. of the room. And then he was kind of ushered out into the hall and he just wouldn't leave. He was just listening oh. into Big Bob Bradley. And then actually he was very gushing about uh, Francesco Guidolin, wasn't he? And, and really complimented him. So hopefully he, he heard that from in the <laughs> hall through the door. You would be when he asked you the question, wouldn't you? <laughs> Well, there's history there because, of course, Klinsman took over from Bob Bradley five years ago as USA coach. And uh, according to Barb in this press conference I was cutting up, Klinsman was already rooting for Barb's job uh, when he was doing uh, match analysis of the 2010 World Cup. So, so, so there's a little bit of past history, but at least Bob can stick two fingers up to Jürgen and go, I got to the Premier League first, Jürg. Uh, so, so, uh, so, yeah, so big Bob Bradley. I'd like to know, please, of some famous, other famous exports from uh, American soccer. Well, we have to start with goalkeepers because there's been so many. I'm sure Hayley McQueen's yeah. going to pitch in as well, but Tim Howard, Brad Friedel, Brad Guzan now at your Middlesbrough. Brad. Red. Yeah. Um, so goalkeeping exports. And they're all rad. <laughs> <laughs> They've been brilliant. Any more to add into that? Well, the first actual player that I thought of, and he was a bit of a, he kind of paved the way for Americans to come over here and for us to kind of realise, actually, we need to pay attention to these uh, big dudes at six foot two, which actually isn't that massive. Casey Keller, yeah. who came over here, had been at Portland Pilots, Portland Timbers after that. And then obviously signs for Millwall, Comes to Leicester City, wins the cup with them in 1997, I think it was. Uh, Tottenham, Southampton, he was at Fulham as well and then went back to Seattle Sounders, but um, always played for the United States whilst plying his trade over here in the UK. And um, yeah, I think he was he was much loved and yeah, uh, a, real, a real hero and kind of blazed the trail, I guess. So maybe Bob's going to do the same with managers. What is it about American goalkeepers? Mm. Well, I suppose it's because there are other national sports like American... Catching! Yeah! <laughs> That's so true. 
Why didn't I think of that? That is so true. I'll nip in with a couple of little facts for you, a couple of USA facts. The first American professional soccer league, the USSA, played from 1919 to 1921 and paid its players 35 cents for every goal scored. Now, can I suggest... Yes. Oh, wow. It was the first... I mean, it was probably reinvented as something that sounded less like the USSR. Uh, but, yeah, for, for two years, um, played its players 35 cents for every goal scored. Can I suggest that we put that into our England suggestion box, apart from maybe 35 more... Pounds? <laughs> 35,000 pounds? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah. Um, I'm going to mention a couple of uh, players. Clint Dempsey. Oh, yeah. Mm. Got to mention him. Brilliant I, export. I completely forgot about Clint Dempsey, but yeah, you're right. We um, adopted him as one of our own. We yeah. forgot he was American. And a current Premier League player who I would say, this is one for the Stoke City fans because I'm always giving them them stick usually. <laughs> um, Jeff Cameron, Stoke oh, City. Jeff, yeah, yeah. Do you call everyone from America big? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah, apart from Big Sam, who's obviously not American. Do you want to know a little bit about how much American soccer players earn? Yeah. Yeah, quite quite some contrast over here. Uh, the uh, average salary, I have to say, because th- th- there are obviously some uh, well-known players playing over there. The average salary, approximately $50,000, the same as a person working in an office. So this little fact usefully tells me. Uh, the minimum salary is 36000 while top players get paid the biggest buck. Kaka is over there. Currently... The highest paid player grossing around seven million a year but still not anything like Pella. We know that women's football is huge over in America we could say it's big couldn't we? (laughs) Um, Michelle Akers um, won two World Cups uh, with the USA Uh, but really her career was in Sweden played uh, Tereso and she played in Sweden. No, this is your little fact so you tell it. Did you know so so she's like she's 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 one of the founding Dames, grand dames of kind of US women's soccer, by the way, Michelle Akers. She's about 50 now, but when she was playing over in Sweden, um, she was doing so while suffering with chronic fatigue syndrome. Wow. There you go. Here's a couple for you. Sticking along the lines of female footballers, Karen Bardsley, American born, brilliant, currently playing for Manchester City, member of the England women's national team Mm -hmm. as well so great that we've managed to get her on board (laughs) and she's not actually American thanks for that another goalkeeper yeah again another goalkeeper Um, and she actually won the uh, big West Conference freshman of the year after her first season so they called it big there (laughs) everything everything is actually big Uh, not so big but gonna be big in the future here's my one to watch Um, a young lad I say young. I mean, he's 19, but to me, that is young. He could be my child, apart from he's half German, half American. Mm-hmm. Gedeon Zelalem yeah. spent a season on loan at Rangers. He was in and out of the squad. It's not like he had the most amazing season, but he at least went out and played for a big side and got fairly regular-ish football. But he was part of the side that helped get them promoted. Um, he is capped, though, by Germany and the USA. But he's he was born in Berlin. <laughs> So, but he grew up in the United States and he was discovered playing for a youth team out in the United States. They flew him over to England. He had a trial with Arsenal and he is now known for becoming the first player to feature for Arsenal born after Arsene Wenger took charge of the club. So he made his debut in the FA Cup fourth round against Coventry City. So I think he's definitely one to watch. He's a midfielder and the staff and everyone at the club really rates him. So maybe we decide if he stays here long enough, he's not American, he's not German, Maybe he can just be English, okay? A couple of the biggest exports from the US has to be this. Now, go with, go with my flow chart here. 
money in the Premier League, money in football over here, mm-hmm. comes from where? A lot of the money. Sorry. You'd say TV rights. TV yeah. rights. <laughs> and you look at where the wages for footballers come from and the bulk of that money that they pay the footballers comes from TV rights. I'm not saying that all the TV comes from America. Bear with me. But another big element for the biggest players, your Ibrahimovic's, your Rooney's, your players that are on over £200,000 a week, that's not purely TV rights money. It comes from places like sponsors and one of the biggest that actually pays for the wages of a lot of these huge mega football stars is Nike. Nike is one of the biggest exports from the US paying the wages of these huge mega stars Mm. in football. So Nike, and what do you do when you've got a lot of money in football? What do you spend your money on? One of the things you do is you get white teeth and where do they come from? America, another American export. What a tedious. Well, I was going to say Rupert Murdoch obviously runs yeah. everything yeah. that basically makes sure that Sky pay for the football. I was going to say he's American. He's actually Australian, yeah, he isn't is. he? he? So is. kind of he rained yeah. on that parade. Yeah. But we also, when we were talking about this earlier, mentioned American ownership yeah. here as well. So you've got Gillette and Hicks, and of course you have the Glazers at Manchester United. Mm. So two of the biggest clubs, the biggest players with the biggest history mm. in terms of, of, of football, you being Liverpool, me being Manchester United. So the two only clubs with a great history behind them. Well, we have to say God, God bless America, don't we, for that and our, and our football clubs. Um, all right, we're going to wrap it up there. Just because you mentioned Arsene Wenger very quickly, I would like, please, your next England manager, Hayley McQueen. Oh, God. Wenger, why not? I would like to say Eddie Howe, and I don't mean this to be mean, because he's obviously a good manager and he gets the best out of his team right now or his previous teams. I just don't see him as this big character. Yeah, but we know the FA are really interested. It's been in loads of press reports, hasn't it? That, that the FA are very interested in Eddie Howe, but obviously... Uh, it's m- not his time. Well, no, you know, it obviously isn't his time. No, he's not ready for that yet. Well, I mean, what has he won? I, I'm sorry, but we can get all excited. And- it could just be an arm around the shoulder hoops, though, couldn't it? No, no, this is the <laughs> national manager's job. He needs to win the Premier League if he wants that job. I'm so sorry. I really like Eddie Howe. I hope he's given the opportunities to be able to win things. Quick one, Hoops. Country. Quick one, quick one. Who's well, next? Uh, Wenger. Let's go with Wenger because um, he might as well. He's used to the bad press, <laughs> isn't he? <laughs> it needs to be someone with seriously yeah. big cojones, doesn't it? It, do- it needs to be someone... <laughs> what do you know that we don't? <laughs> it needs to be someone who can take it, who can take the flack all right we're going to leave it there uh thank you for listening to the offside rule we get it uh this has been podcast number five myself kate ball say lindsay hooper and hayley mcqueen will be back in a fortnight don't forget in the meantime if you get withdrawal symptoms at offside rule pod our twitter account is always a feast of activity great vines um great bits of insight and amusement there as well our facebook page the offside rule we get it and of course our website www.offsiderulepodcast.com see you later the female take on football. Sports Social Podcast Network.